0: Hello and welcome to Beyond What You See, a podcast where I talk about my favorite books and all the ways that they resonate with me as a Muslim, a writer, and a human being. My name is Sumeya, and I am once again once again, <laughs> back after a really long absence. I'm sure anybody who's listening is a little tired of hearing my excuses, but I thought I should explain anyways. Um, I've been feeling really disco- discouraged uh, about uh, pretty much everything, all of my creative <laughs> endeavors. Um, Partly because I thrive on um, feedback and I kind of doubt myself a lot, so if I don't get feedback I worry that I just suck (laughs) and that nobody cares. Um, And uh, I also just get into my head way too much, so I overthink things and I have um, difficult standards for myself that's really hard to live up to, and so if I'm not immediately perfect at something, I struggle to stick with it (laughs) or even try it. Um, And this podcast is near and dear to my heart. And I really want to do a fantastic job with it. And if I don't think I'm living up to my standards, it's really hard to, like, keep going. But I finally come to a point where I'd rather this podcast exist than it be perfect. Um, And I still love it. So even though I can't make it... um, right now become what I want it to be. Hopefully it will become that eventually. But in the meantime, I still want it around. So here I am. Um, And I keep saying I'm going to try to be more consistent. (laughs) I keep hoping I will be, (laughs) so let's just leave it at that. (laughs) All right, so we are on book two, which might sound a little confusing because the Lord of the Rings is frequently referred to as a trilogy, it's actually a three volume series. Made of multiple books, so we finished book one of the first volume, which is the Fellowship of the Ring, and we are now on book two of the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, which means we are on chapter one, which might also be considered chapter thirteen, um, and it is titled "Many Meetings," and there is so much going on in this chapter. Uh, there, is, as the title suggests. Now, Tolkien Gateway gives us a lovely summary. It says when Frodo awoke he was in the house of Elrond at Rivendell. Gandalf was there. Elrond had called a council meeting to discuss what had happened, uh, what had to happen. Gandalf told Frodo that Strider was also called Aragorn, Man of the West, and that the Black Riders were also known as Ringwraiths or the nine servants of the Lord of the Rings. Gandalf also explained to Frodo how the Black Riders were defeated at the Ford of Bruinen through Elrond's magic. Frodo found that for the past four days and three nights he had been delirious. He learned that Elrond, a master healer, had been at work trying to save him. The rider that had wounded Frodo had done so done so with a Morgul knife, and a piece of the knife that had, uh, and a piece of the knife had been still stuck in Frodo's body. That piece had worked its way towards his heart, but Elrond had removed it just in time. If the fragment had reached Frodo's heart, he would have become like the riders, a servant to Sauron. The ring would have been taken from him, which would have been a disaster for Frodo and the rest of Middle-earth. Frodo learned about all those who worked for the Dark Lord. The men were made of nothing, and wore robes to give shapes to their otherwise shapeless existences. The horses, just like many orcs, trolls, kings, and men, had been brought up under the Dark Lord's power, and they were in his service forever. Gandalf told Frodo that the white figure he had seen at the river was Glorfindel, and that the river itself was commanded by Elrond. Elrond hosted a great feast for his guests. At the feast, Frodo spoke with the dwarf Gloin, who told Frodo what had become of the dwarves Bilbo had known during his adventures. Frodo also saw Arwen for the first time. After the feast, Frodo went to the Hall of Fire along with the other guests. To his delight, Frodo discovered that Bilbo was living there among the others. Bilbo told Frodo what he had been up to and asked to see the ring. When Frodo produced it, Bilbo at once asked him to put it away, fearful of the way he had responded to it. Strider returned, and Frodo discovered that he was also called Dunadan. Bilbo performed his song of Erendil, then one of the elves sang the hymn A Elberath Alright, let's just dive right in. Frodo awoke and found himself lying in bed. At first, he thought that he had slept late, after a long and unpleasant dream that still hovered on the edge of memory. Or perhaps he had been ill? But the ceiling looked strange. It was flat and had dark beams richly carved. We must remember that um, hobbits live in round homes and so their ceilings are curved, which is why a flat roof was strange to Frodo, whereas for us we'd be like, um, that's normal. (laughs) Um, He lay a little while longer looking at patches of sunlight on the wall and listening to the sound of a waterfall. What a peaceful way to wake up, he deserves it after all his hardships. "'Where am I, and what is the time?' he said aloud to the ceiling. "'In the house of Elrond, and it is ten o'clock in the morning,' said a voice. "'It is the morning of October the 24th, if you want to know.' "'Gandalf!' cried Frollo, sitting up. What a way for him to just pop back into the narrative. <laughs> there was the old wizard, sitting in a chair by the open window. "'Yes,' he said. "'I am here, and you are lucky to be here too, "'after all the absurd things you have done since you left home.' Oh my god, Gandalf is harsh.' <laughs> absurd. He did his best, poor kid. Frodo lay down again. He felt too comfortable and peaceful to argue, and in any case, he did not think he would get the better of an argument. Oh, Frodo. He was fully awake now, and the memory of his journey was returning. The disastrous shortcut through the old forest, the accident at the prancing pony, and his madness in putting on the ring in the dell under Weathertop. top. I have opinions on this. Basically, Yes, the shortcut was disastrous through the old forest, but Frodo was doing the best with the knowledge that he had. Um, so I wouldn't say that it was a bad choice. It was just- it was a bad choice in hindsight, but with the knowledge he had at the time, it was a good one. Um, the accident at the Prancing Pony definitely was, you know, a bad idea, but he was also influenced by the ring. Um, and doubly so for when he put the ring on uh, when he was at Weathertop. While he was thinking of all these things and trying in vain to bring his memory down to his arriving in Rivendell, there was a long silence, broken only by the soft puffs of Gandalf's pipe as he blew white smoke rings out of the window. Where is Sam? Frodo asked at length. And are the others all right? Oh, he's a good friend. Yes, they are all safe and sound, answered Gandalf. Sam was here until I sent him off to get some rest about half an hour ago. What happened at the ford? Said Frodo. It all seemed so dim somehow, and it still does. Yes, it would. You were beginning to fade. And this explains why his vision was all like gray and foggy in the last chapter. Um, and we wondered if that was a uh, kind of spiritual influence, or if that was literally his vision. Uh, so it turns out it was kind of both. Um, Gandalf says, The wound was overcoming you at last. A few more hours, and you would have been beyond our aid. Oof. But you have, this, you have some strength in you, my dear hobbit, as you showed in the burrow. That was touch and go. Perhaps the most dangerous moment of all. Now this is fascinating because I almost forgot about the barrel in light of everything else that happened, like meeting Strider and uh, the ring race on Re- Weathertop, um, and that kind of shows you like exactly how serious what happened in the barrel was. Even if it remains kind of a mystery um, for Gandalf to say that was the most dangerous point, it's kind of shocking. Um, he continues. I wish you could have held out at Weathertop." Hmm. "'You seem to know a great deal already,' said Frodo. I have not spoken to the others about the Barrow. At first it was too horrible, and afterwards there were other things to think about. How do you know about it?' "'You have talked long in your sleep, Frodo,' said Gandalf gently. "'And it has not been hard for me to read your mind and memory.'" Hmm. See, this makes me wonder if it's because Gandalf's a wizard and he can read people, or, and spoiler alert, if it's because Gandalf has one of the rings of power. Um, I think the Ring of Fire, I forget what it's called, yes, but anyways, he has one of the rings, and as we know, the ring kind of gives you, uh, not, not the like the one ring, but these magical rings kind of give you some powers um, according to your status. And Gandalf being a wizard, perhaps the ring helps him read the minds and memories of some people. Um, but also, we don't know much about wizards and what they can and can't do. Um, Gandalf do- I mean, uh, Tolkien doesn't really go into the magic system of Lord of the Rings very much. And it's almost because it's not really like magic or magic tricks. More than kind of like abilities and attributes of a race that makes sense so the elves in in like <laughs> I guess you could say genetically <laughs> genetically have abilities that human beings don't and the wizards are an actual race they're not just a, it's not like um it's not simply a status it is an actual race they are emissaries I guess you could say of the demigods slash angelic beings uh of the world of the lord of the rings But that's a little bit too much lore. We'll continue on. Don't worry, Gandalf says. Though I said absurd just now, I did not mean it. I think well of you and of the others. that's reassuring. It is no small feat to have come so far, and through such dangers, still bearing the ring. Which was exactly my point. (laughs) We should never have done it without Strider, said Frodo. But we needed you, and I did not know what to do without you. Oh, poor Frodo. I was delayed, said Gandalf, and that nearly proved our ruin. And yet, I am not sure, it may have been better so. And this, of course, makes me think of destiny and God's will. So even though, from our perspective, things might seem disastrous or evil or horrible, everything is for the best. And that's from, uh, this is how we're supposed to look at it as Muslims. That's from God's mercy, that he puts good in everything, even the things that seem evil from a human perspective I'm not saying that they aren't evil but that God's merciful enough to put good in everything Um, and it is our job to kind of try to see the good and if we can't, to trust in God to guide us through hardship and 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 difficulty um, and to do our best with the situations that we're in Um, that does not of course excuse evil actions Um, but yeah Uh, So here, um, all their plans kind of went astray and things proved nearly disastrous, but nearly is a key word. Uh, Everything worked out and perhaps even better than they could have planned for and they find out a lot of things that they might not have otherwise if things hadn't went the way they did, which we will see as we move forward. I wish you would tell me what happened, said Frodo, which obviously (laughs) we all feel the same. All in good time. You are not supposed to talk or worry about anything today, by Elrond's orders. But talking would stop me thinking and wondering, which are quite as tiring. Mood. I am wide awake now, and I remember so many things that want explaining. Why were you delayed? You ought to tell me that, at least. You will soon hear all you wish to know, said Gandalf. We shall have a council, as soon as you are well enough. At the moment, I will only say that I was held captive. You, cried Frodo. Yes, I, Gandalf the Grey, said the wizard solemnly. There are many power- I love this quote. There are many powers in the world for good or for evil. Some are greater than I am. Against some I have not yet been measured, but my time is coming. The Morgul lord and his black riders have come forth. War is preparing." Very doom and gloomy. Um, and kind of, it might seem kind of frightening because Gandalf is, is, is the most powerful character we've been introduced to so far um on the side of good I mean and to say for him to say that like he was held captive or that there are powers greater than him um kind of what's the word can seem kind of discouraging um but that also just proves that you know everybody has their test no matter how great they are um and like from a personal perspective even even like holy men and saints have um, people that they are tested against, or situations that they're tested against, and they usually come out the stronger and the greater for the tests that they go through. It um, also comes kind of shows you that mm, everybody is tested according to what they can handle, um, and not more than that. And so, that kind of is reassuring to know that. Whatever hardship or difficulty you're going through, um, you can make, you can make it through it because God is merciful enough to not put you in something that you can't deal with. Um, even if it feels like you can't deal with it, know that you can because otherwise you wouldn't be going through it. All right, enough philosophizing, moving on. (laughs) Frodo says, then you knew of the writers already before I met them? Yes, I knew of them. Indeed, I spoke of them once to you. For the Black Riders are the ring Wraiths, the Nine Servants of the Lord of the Rings. But I did not know that they had arisen again, or I should have fled with you at once. I heard news of them only after I left you in June, but that story must wait. For the moment, we have been saved from disaster. By Aragorn." Yes, said Frodo, it was Strider that saved us, yet I was afraid of him at first. Sam never quite trusted him, I think, not at any rate, until we met Glorfindel. Um, and that would be because Glorfindel is an elf and whoever heard of an evil elf. (laughs) Sam knows his story as well. Uh, Gandalf smiled. I've heard all about Sam, he said. He has no more doubts now. I am glad, said Frodo, for I have become very fond of Strider. Well, fond is not the right word. I mean, he is dear to me, though he is strange and grim at times. In fact, he reminds me often of you. I didn't know that any of the big people were like that. I thought, well, that they were just big and rather stupid, kind and stupid, like Butterbur or stupid and wicked, like Bill Fernie. But then we don't know much about men in the Shire, except perhaps the Brelanders. Frodo is so innocent, and he's learning so much about the world. It's just... Once you read the series, and then you come back to this, you realize like how much growth he goes through, and how hard it is for him. God. My heart goes out to him. You don't know much even about them, if you think old Barlamin is stupid, said Gandalf. He is wise enough on his own ground. Um, I underline this because that's a good lesson, not to look down on people, because everyone has wisdom according to their place in life, yeah. So I mean, I I don't know how to run an inn, or brew beer, or manage people the way Barlowin does, and many people don't. Um, So he is wise in that regard, and and probably in other regards. Um, And sometimes stupidity is not like... a lack of intelligence, but just a lack of experience or knowledge. Um... Yeah. Yes. I think that's all I want to say. He thinks less than he talks, and slower, yet he can see through a brick wall in time, as they say in Bree. But there are few in Middle-earth like Aragorn, son of Arathorn. The race of the kings from over the sea is nearly at an end. It may be that this war of the ring will be their last adventure. Do you really mean that Strider is one of the people of the old kings? said Frodo in wonder. I thought they had all vanished long ago. I thought he was only a ranger. Now this is funny. Only a ranger, cried Gandalf. My dear Frodo, that is just what the rangers are, the last remnant in the north of the great people, the men of the west. They have helped before, and I shall need their help in the days to come, for we have reached Rivendell, but the ring is not yet at rest. I suppose not, said Frodo, but so far my only thought has been to get here, and I hope I shan't have to go any further. It is very pleasant just to rest. I have had a month of exile and adventure, and I find that has been as much as I want. He fell silent and shut his eyes. After a while, he spoke again. I have been reckoning, reckoning, he said, and I can't bring the total up up to October the twenty-fourth. It ought to be the twenty-first. We must have reached the ford by the twentieth. You have talked and reckoned more than is good for you, said Gandalf. How do the side and shoulder feel now? I don't know, Frodo answered. They don't feel at all, which is an improvement. But he made an effort. I can move my arm again a little Yes, it is coming back to life It's not cold, he added, touching his left hand with his right Good, said Gandalf It is mending fast You will soon be sound again Elrond has cured you He has tended you for days, ever since you were brought in Days, said Frodo Well, four nights and three days, to be exact The elves brought you from the Ford on the night of the 20th And that is where you lost count We have been terribly anxious And Sam has hardly left your side, day or night, except to run messages Sam, once again, best hobbit Elrond is a master of healing, but the weapons of our enemy are deadly. To tell you the truth, I had very little hope." Which is huge, because it's Gandalf we're talking about, so it was very dire. For I suspected that there were some fragments of the blade still in the closed wound, but it could not be found until last night. Then Elrond removed a splinter, it was deeply buried, and it was working inwards. Frodo shuddered, remembering the cruel knife with a notched blade that had vanished in Strider's hands. "'Don't be alarmed,' said Gandalf. It is gone now. It has been melted, and it seems that hobbits fade very reluctantly. I have known strong warriors of the big people who would quickly have been overcome by that splinter, which you bore, <clears throat> which you bore for seventeen days. Hobbits truly are amazing creatures. What would they have done to me? Asked Frodo. What were the riders trying to do? They tried to pierce your heart with a Morgul knife which remains in the wound. If they had succeeded, you would have become like they are, only weaker and under their command. You would have become a wraith under the dominion of the Dark Lord, and he would have tormented you for trying to keep his ring, if any greater torment were possible than being robbed of it and seeing it on his hand. Yeah, the ring really is like an addiction. Um, and And a huge temptation, to the point where even seeing somebody else have it would be... Painful. That's horrible. Thank goodness I did not realize the horrible danger, said Frodo faintly. I was mortally afraid, of course, but if I had known more, I should not have dared even to move. It is a marvel that I escaped. And that's a- another lesson. Um, that sometimes ignorance really is bliss. <laughs> but also that maybe you don't want to know everything. Um, and operating on the information that you have and doing your best with the information that you have and trying to make the best choices that you can with the information that you have is all anyone can expect. And to not beat yourself up for not knowing things or making uh, choices that you wouldn't have made if you had known more. Basically, everyone can only do their best and sometimes it's a mercy that we don't know everything (laughs) that we want to know. Yes, fortune or fate have helped you, said Gandalf, not to mention courage, for your heart was not touched and only your shoulder was pierced, and that was because you resisted to the last, which is another wonderful lesson. Never give up, even if you fail. Even just resisting as hard as you can is good and worth it and has merit. You were in the gravest per- uh, blah, blah, blah. But it was a terribly narrow shave, so to speak You were in the gravest peril while you wore the ring For then you were half in the wraith world yourself And they might have seized you You could see them, and they could see you I know, said Frodo They were terrible to behold But why could we all see their horses? Because they are real horses Just as the black robes are real robes that they wear To give shape to their nothingness When they have dealings with the living So they talk a little bit more about the animals um, And how the animals can bear them and Gandalf says, well, these horses were born to the service of the Dark Lord. Um, and he doesn't only have wraiths as his servants. There are other folk. And their number is growing daily. What about Rivendell and the elves? Is Rivendell safe? Yes, at present. At, at present. Until all else is concert, conquered. The elves may fear the Dark Lord, and they may fly before him. But never again will they listen to him or serve him. And this is a little bit of reference to older lore. Um, when Sauron, the Dark Lord, had another uh, form, and he was called Anatar, and he came to the elves, uh, promising to teach them things or wanting to learn from them, and uh, led some of them astray, um, and tricked them, uh, but they learned eventually who he was, and they were never fooled by him again. And here in Rivendell there live still some of his chief foes, the Elvenwise, lords of the Eldar from beyond the furthest seas. So the Eldar is another, um, another, wait, like another word for the elves. They do not fear the Ring Wraiths, for those who have dealt, dwelt in the blessed realm live at once in both worlds. And against both the seen and the unseen, they have great power so cool. Do you remember we were talking about Glorfindel and how he glowed in Frodo's eyes? And Frodo at that point was half in the wraith world as the um blade was kind of taking him over and turning him into uh, a ring wraith, even though he was resisting. Um yes. So uh certain of the elves uh the like the the wise the the lords um have lived in the blessed realm. So basically in like uh in between hmm So, kind of like Heaven on Earth, with their demigods slash angelic beings, as you want to refer to them. Um, Some of the elves lived there, and so they can live both in the physical and spiritual world, and they can see the seen and the unseen, and they have great power. Uh, Frodo says, I thought that I saw a white figure that shone and did not grow dim dim like the others. Was that Glorfindel then? Yes, you saw him for a moment, as he is upon the other side, one of the mighty of the firstborn. Which again... Is a reference to the elves so they are also called the Eldar or the firstborn he is an elf lord of a house of princes indeed there is a power in Rivendell to withstand the might of Mordor for a while and elsewhere other powers still dwell there is power too of another kind in the Shire which I find fascinating and I wonder what he means and I wonder if he means Or if it's connected to how he said hobbits fade reluctantly. (laughs) So they're very um, stubborn and keep to their true nature. And I wouldn't be surprised if if that's their power. But all such places will soon become islands under siege. If things go on as they are going, the Dark Lord is putting forth all his strength still he said standing suddenly up and sticking out his chin while his beard went stiff and straight like bristling wire we must keep up our courage you will soon be well if i do not talk you to death you are in rivendell and you need not worry about anything for the present i haven't any courage to keep up said frodo but i am not worried at the moment just give me news of my friends and tell me the end of the affair at the Ford, as i keep on asking and i shall be content for the present <laughs> He so After that, I shall have another sleep, I think, but I shan't be able to close my eyes until you have finished the story for me. Gandalf moved his chair to the bedside and took a good look at Frodo. The color had come back to his face and his eyes were clear and fully awake and aware. He was smiling, and there seemed to be little wrong with him. Now, this is so cool. But to the wizard's eye, there was a faint change, just a hint, as it were, of transparency about him, and especially about the left hand that lay outside upon the coverlet. Because... He almost faded. He was only a few hours away from becoming a wraith. That must be... uh, Still, that must be expected, said Gandalf to himself. He is not half through yet, and to what he will come in the end, not even Elrond can foretell. Not to evil, I think. He may become like a glass filled with a clear light for eyes to see that can. Huh. That's almost like he's... Has a greater connection to the spiritual realm now, because he was... Almost spirit himself? Hmm, speculation. You look splendid, he said aloud. I will risk a brief tale without consulting Elrond, but quite brief, mind you, and then you must sleep again. This is what happened as far as I can gather. The riders made straight for you as soon as you fled. They did not need the guidance of their horses any longer, because they can't see, um, like the real world, they can only see the spiritual world. You had become visible to them, being already on the threshold of their world. And also the ring drew them. Your friends sprang aside off the road, or they would have been ridden down. They knew that nothing could save you if the white horse could not. The riders were too swift to overtake and too many to oppose. On foot, even Glorfindel and Aragorn together could not withstand all the nine at once. When the ringwraiths swept by, your friends ran up behind. Close to the ford, there was a small hollow beside the road, masked by a few stunted trees. There they hastily kindled fire, for Glorfindel knew that a flood would come down if the riders tried to cross, and then he would have to deal with any that were left on his side of the river. The moment the flood appeared, he rushed out, followed by Aragorn and the others with flaming brands, caught between fire and water, and seeing an elf lord revealed in his wrath. So, like, imagine him just, like, blazing spiritually, like a little sun. They were dismayed, and their horses were stricken with madness. Three were carried away by the first assault of the flood. And the others were now hurled into the water by their horses and overwhelmed, like bucking broncos. <laughs> and is that the end of the Black Riders? asked Frodo. No, said Gandalf. Their horses must have perished, and without them they are crippled, but the ring wraiths themselves cannot be so easily destroyed. However, there is nothing more to fear from them at present. Your friends crossed after the flood had passed, and they found you lying on your face at the top of the bank, with the broken sword under you. The horse was standing guard beside you. You were pale and cold, and they feared that you were dead, or worse. Elrond's folk met them, carrying you slowly towards Rivendell. Who made the flood? asked Frodo. Elrond commanded it. And that word is intentional. We talked about Bombadil, and how he speaks things into doing what he wants. He commands them. Elrond seems to have that kind of power, and a lot of the magic in Tolkien. Tolkien's world seems to be based on speech and command um, rather than like spells as you might imagine them to be. The river of this valley is under his power and will rise in anger when he has great need to bar the ford. As soon as the captain of the race rode into the water, the flood was released. If I may say so, I added a few touches of my own. You may not have noticed, but some of the waves took the form of great white horses with shining white riders, and there were many rolling and grinding boulders. For a moment I was afraid that we had let loose too fierce a wrath, and the flood would get out of hand and wash you all away. There is great vigor in the waters that come down from the snows of the misty mountains. Yes, it all comes back to me now, said Frodo. The tremendous roaring, I thought I was drowning, with my friends and enemies and all. But now we are safe. Gandalf looked quickly at Frodo, but he had shut his eyes. Yes, you are all safe for the present. Soon there will be feasting and merrymaking to celebrate the victory at the Ford of Bruinen, and you will be there in the places of honor. Splendid, said Frodo. It is wonderful that Elrond and Glorfindel and such great lords, not to mention Strider, should take so much trouble and show me such kindness. Well, there are many reasons why they should, said Gandalf, smiling. I am one good reason. The ring is another. You are the ring bearer. And you are the heir of Bilbo, the ring finder. Gandalf is always putting people in their place, refusing to let them get too arrogant. Um, and also, yeah, like keeping people humble, which is, which is always good for everybody. <laughs> Dear Bilbo, said Frodo sleepily, I wonder where he is. I wish he was here and could hear all about it. It would have made him laugh. The cow jumped over the moon and the poor old troll. With that, he fell asleep. Frodo was now safe in the last homely house east of the sea. That house was, as Bilbo had long ago reported, a perfect house, whether you liked food or sleep or storytelling or singing, or just sitting and thinking best, or a pleasant mixture mixture of them all, merely to be there was a cure for weariness, fear, and sadness. Honestly, it sounds like rehab, or an idealized vision of rehab. If rehab was like that, I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, eventually, Frodo wakes again and he eats- and he finds that his arm is pretty much healed. And he sees a reflection of himself and finds that he's a much thinner than he remembers. And he looks remarkably like the young nephew of Bilbo who used to go tramping with his uncle in the Shire. But the eyes looked at him thoughtfully. Yes, you have seen a thing or two since you last peeped out of a looking glass, he said to his reflection. But now for a merry meeting. He stretched out his arms and whistled a tune. At that moment, there was a knock on the door and Sam came in. He ran to Frodo and took his left hand, awkwardly and shyly. He stroked it gently, and then he blushed and turned hastily away. He's so cute, what the heck? (laughs) "'Hello, Sam,' said Frodo. "'It's warm,' said Sam. "'Meaning your hand, Mr. Frodo. "'It had felt so cold through the long nights. "'But glory and trumpets!' he cried, turning round again with the shining eyes and dancing on the floor. "'It's fine to see you up in yourself again, sir. "'Gandalf asked me to come and see if you were ready to come down, and I thought he was joking.' "'I am ready,' said Frodo. "'Let's go and look for the rest of the party.' "'I can take you to them, sir,' said Sam. "'It's a big house, this, and very peculiar. "'Always a bit more to discover, "'and no one knowing what you will find round the corner. "'And elves, sir! Elves here, and elves there! "'Some like kings, terrible and splendid, "'and some as merry as children, and the music and the singing. "'Not that I have had the time or the heart "'for much listening since we got here, "'but I'm getting to know some of the ways of the place.' "'I know what you have been doing, Sam,' said Frodo, "'taking his arm, but you shall be merry tonight, "'and listen to your heart's content. "'Come on, guide me round the corners.' Sam led him along several passages and down many steps, and out into a high garden above the steep bank of the river. He found his friend sitting in a porch on the side of the house looking east. Here is a wonderful use of metaphoric description. Shadows had fallen in the valley below, but there was still a light on the faces of the mountains far above. The air was warm, the sound of running and falling water was loud, and the evening was filled with a faint scent of trees and flowers, as if summer still lingered in Elrond's gardens. That's so pretty. Hmm. Hooray, cried Pippin, springing up. Here's our noble cousin. Make way for Frodo, lord of the ring. This kid. (laughs) Hush, said Gandalf from the shadows at the back of the porch. Evil things do not come into this valley, but all the same, we should not name them. And that is to say that there are power. There is power in naming. Um. Someone, my friend Hiba, pointed out something very interesting about this. Let me find, uh, if I can find it, where she said. What she said, and if not, I will have to uh, kind of summarize. <laughs> her thoughts hmm I don't know if I still have it maybe not okay well she pointed out that um, in literature and fantasy fiction and um, like uh, fairy tales and stuff that names are always a thing of power and uh, you're often told, like in fairy tales and things, not to tell the fae or fairies your true name because then they have power over you and that true names should be kept secret. Um, and yeah, it just, I, I totally missed that. <laughs> miss that point. Uh, but I think some of that influence you can see here in Tolkien. The Lord of the Ring is not Frodo, but the master of the Dark Tower of Mordor, whose power is again stretching out over the world. We are sitting in a fortress. Outside, it is getting dark. Gandalf has been saying many cheerful things like that, said Pippin. <laughs> he thinks I need keeping in order, but it seems impossible somehow, somehow to feel gloomy or depressed in this place. I feel I could sing, if I knew the right song for the occasion. I feel like singing myself, laughed Frodo, though at the moment I feel more like eating and drinking. "'That will soon be cured,' said Pippin. "'You have shown your usual cunning in getting up just in time for a meal.' "'God, I love Pippin. He's so funny.' "'More than a meal. A feast!' said Merry. "'As soon as Gandalf reported that you were recovered, the preparations began. "'He had hardly finished speaking when they were summoned to the hall by the ringing of many bells. "'The hall of Elrond's house was filled with folk, elves for the most part, "'though there were a few guests of other sort. "'Elrond, as was his custom, sat in a great chair at the end of the long table upon the dais days? Dies? I don't know how to pronounce that. And next to him on the one side sat Glorfindel, on the other side sat Gandalf. Frodo looked at them in wonder, for he had never before seen Elrond, of whom so many tales spoke. And as they sat upon his right hand and his left, Glorfindel and even Gandalf, whom he thought he knew so well, were revealed as lords of dignity and power. Sometimes you don't see people until... They're in different situations, or around other people, and then you're like, who who is that? (laughs) What? Oh my goodness. You know, everyone knows that Gandalf is a wizard, but Frodo's kind of known him all his life, and so he seems, you know, comfortable and familiar. And um, maybe you take Gandalf for granted if you've seen him so many times, and then you see him kind of revealed in his majesty, although not fully revealed in his majesty. Gandalf was shorter in stature than the other two, but his long white hair, his sweeping silver beard, and his broad shoulders made him look like some wise king of ancient legend. In his aged face under great snowy brows, his dark eyes were set like coals that could leap suddenly into fire. Glorfindel was tall and straight, his hair was of shining gold, his face fair and young and fearless and full of joy, his eyes were bright and keen, and his voice like music. On his brows sat wisdom, and in his hand was strength. The face of Elrond was ageless, neither old nor young, though in it was written the memory of many things, both glad and sorrowful. If you're curious and if you don't know, Elrond's story is a really sad one, um, but really fascinating and you can check it out, or you should check it out if you can. His hair was dark as the shadows of twilight, and upon it was set a circlet of silver. His eyes were grey as a clear evening, and in them was a light like the light of stars. Venerable, he seemed, as a king crowned with many winters, and yet Hale is a tried warrior in the fullness of his strength. He was the lord of the Riv- of Rivendell, and mighty among both elves and men." And there's a reason they say both elves and men, and that is because he comes from a race of elves that have human blood in them, and they can kind of choose to become human or to stay elves. Uh, which we'll get into later with some other characters. In the middle of the table, against the woven woven cloths upon the wall, there was a chair under her canopy, and there sat a lady fair to look upon, and so like was she in form of womanhood to Elrond, that Frodo guessed that she was one of his close kindred. Young she was, and yet not so. The braids of her dark hair were touched by no frost, her white arms and clear face were flawless and smooth, and the light of stars were in her bright eyes, grey as a cloudless night. Yet queenly she looked and thought and knowledge were in her glance, as of one who has known many things that the years bring. Above her brow her head was covered with a cap of silver lace, netted with small gems, glittering white, but her soft grey raiment had no ornament save a girdle of leaves wrought in silver. So it was that Frodo saw her whom few mortals had yet seen, Arwen, daughter of Elrond, in whom it was said that the likeness of Luthien had come on earth again and she was called Undomil, for she was the even star of her people. I'm not going to get into it but uh, Lúthien is kind of like the ancestor of Arwen and Elrond, as well uh, as her husband uh, Baron. and there is a book Baron and Lúthien by Tolkien that you can check out if you want to know more about that. It's beautiful. I recommend you do. Long she had been in the land of her mother's kin, in Lorien, beyond the mountains, and was but lately returned to Rivendell to her father's house. But her brothers, Eladin and Elrohir, were out upon errantry, for they rode often far afield with the rangers of the north, forgetting never their mother's torments in the dens of the orcs. Um, their mom basically was tortured by orcs, um, and left the mortal realm to find healing in the blessed realm. Um... Because it, she just suffered so much, she couldn't she couldn't bear to be around anymore. Such loveliness in living things, Frodo had never seen before nor imagined in his mind, and he was both surprised and abashed to find that he had a seat at Edwain's table among all these folks so high and fair. Though he had a suitable chair and was raised upon several cushions, oh, he's so cute. He felt very small and rather out of place, but that feeling quickly passed. The feast was merry, and the food all that his hunger could desire. It was sometimes bef- some time before he looked about him again, or even returned, or even turned to his neighbors. He looked first for his friends. Sam had begged to be allowed to wait on his master, but he had been told that for this time he was a guest of honor. Frodo could see him now, sitting with Pippin and Merry at the upper end of one of the side tables close to the dais. He could see no sign of Strider. Next to Frodo on his right sat a dwarf of important appearance, richly dressed. His beard was very long and forked, was white, nearly as white as the snow white cloth of his garments. He wore a silver belt, and around his neck hung a chain of silver and diamonds. Frodo stopped eating to look at him. The dwarf introduces himself as Gloin at your service, and Frodo uh, introduces himself in return And then he says, is this the Gloin, the one of the twelve companions of the Great Thorn Oakenshield, who were the characters of the Hobbit and who Bilbo traveled with to um, fight Smaug the dragon and reclaim the Lonely Mountain uh, Erebor for the elves, uh, for the dwarves, which you should read about in The Hobbit if you haven't. Um, So Bilbo and Gloin talk a little bit. Um, Let's see. You have had some very strange adventures, I hear, said Gloyne. I wonder greatly what brings four hobbits on so long a journey. Nothing like it has happened since Bilbo came with us. But perhaps I should not inquire too closely, since Elrond and Gandalf do not seem disposed to talk of this. I think we will not speak of it at least, not yet, said Frodo politely. But I am equally curious, he added, to learn what brings so many so important dwarfs so far from the Lonely mountain. Glorin looked at him. If you have not heard, I think we will not speak yet of that either. Master Elrond will summon us all year long, I believe, and then we shall all hear many things, but there is much else that may be told. So they talked for a while. Um, Frodo listened more than he talked and learned a lot and eventually learned more than he really wanted to because, uh, let's see, the dwarves uh, talk more about like their business and about their region. And learn a little bit about the men of Dale, which are again people that we know more from the Hobbit. Um, let's see, and he talks a lot about the Dwarf Kingdom and the going on goings on there. Let's see, uh, of the ten companions who had survived the Battle of Five Armies, seven were still with him Dwalin, Gloin, uh, with the king, I mean, the king of uh, Erebor. Dwalin, Gloin, Dori, Nori, Bifur, Boffer, and Bomber. Bomber was now so fat that he could not move himself from his couch to his chair at table, and it took six young dwarves to lift him. And what has become of Balin and Ori and Oin, asked Frodo. A shadow passed over Gloin's face. We do not know, he answered. It is largely on account of Balin that I have come to ask the advice of those that dwell in Rivendell, but tonight let us speak of merrier things. And so they did. Uh, he talks about Dale and Erebor, and describes it really wonderfully and frodo says i will come and see them if ever i can how surprised bilbo would have been to see all the changes in the desolation of smog gloria looked at frodo and smiled you were very fond of bilbo were you not he asked yes answered frodo i'd rather see him than all the towers and palaces in the world eventually the feast ends and they move to another hall and frodo finds himself walking with gandalf the wizard says that this is the hall of fire. Here you will hear many songs and tales if you can keep awake. But except on high days, it usually stands empty and quiet, and people come here who wish for peace and thought. There is always a fire here all year, all the year around, but there is little other light. Elrond enters, there's some music, the hall slowly fills. Um, it's quite lovely. Suddenly, he noticed, not far from the further end of the fire, a small dark figure seated on a stool with his back propped against a pillar. Beside him on the ground was a drinking cup and some bread. Frodo wondered whether he was ill, if people were ever ill in Rivendell, and had been unable to come to the feast. His head seemed sunk in sleep on his breast, and a fold of his dark cloak was drawn over his face. Elrond went forward and stood beside the silent figure. Awake, little master, he said with a smile. Then, turning to Frodo, he beckoned to him. Now at last the hour has come that you have wished for, Frodo. Here is a friend that you have long missed. The dark figure raised its head and uncovered its face. Bilbo! cried Frodo with sudden recognition, and he sprang forward. Hello, Frodo, my lad, said Bilbo. So you have got here at last. I hoped you would manage it. Well, well, so all this feast is in your honor, I hear. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Why weren't you there? cried Frodo. And why haven't I been allowed to see you before? Because you were asleep. I have seen a good deal of you. I've sat by your side with Sam each day. But as for the feast, I don't go in for such things much now. Which is shocking. As a hobbit, he doesn't eat as much as he used to. And I had something else to do. What were you doing? Why, sitting and thinking. I do a lot of that nowadays, and this is the place, best place to do it in, as a rule. Wake up indeed, he said, cocking an eye at Elrond. There was a bright twinkle in it, and no sign of sleepiness that Frodo could see. Wake up! I was not asleep, Master Elrond. If you want to know, you have all come out from your feast too soon, and you have, dist- you have disturbed me in the middle of making up a song. I was stuck over a line or two, and was thinking about them, but now I don't suppose I shall ever get them right. There will be such a deal of singing that the ideas will be driven clean out of my head, and I shall have to get my friend the Dunedin to help me. Where is he? Elrond laughed. I can't believe this little hobbit is scolding one of the great lords. <laughs> but anyways... He shall be found," Elrond says. "Then you two shall go into a corner and finish your task, and we will see it, and he- uh, we will hear it, and judge it before we end our merrymaking. Messengers were sent to find Bilbo's friend, though none knew where he was or why he had not been present at the feast. In the meanwhile, Frodo and Bilbo sat by sat, by si- bleh, sat side by side, and Sam came quickly and placed himself near them. They talked together in soft voices, oblivious of the mirth and music in the hall about them. Bilbo had not much to say of himself when he had left Hobbiton. <laughs> He had wandered off aimlessly along the road or in the country on either side, but somehow he had steered all the time towards Rivendell. I got here without much adventure, he said, and after a rest I went on with the dwarves to Dale, my last journey. I shan't shan't travel again. Old Balin had gone away. Then I came back here, and here I have been. I have done this and that. I have written some more of my book. And, of course, I make up a few songs. They sing them occasionally, just to please me, I think. For, of course, they aren't really good enough for Rivendell. And I listen, and I think. "'Time doesn't seem to pass here. It just is. A remarkable place altogether. "'I hear all kinds of news from over the mountains and out of the south, "'but hardly anything from the Shire. I heard about the Ring, of course. "'Gandalf has been here often. Not that he has told me a great deal. "'He has become closer than ever these last few years. The Dunedain has told me more. "'Fancy that Ring of mine causing such a disturbance. "'It is a pity that Gandalf did not find out more sooner. "'I could have brought the thing here myself long ago without so much trouble. "'I have thought several times of going back to Hobbiton for it.' But I am getting old, and they would not let me. Gandalf and Elrond, I mean. They seemed to think that the enemy was looking high and low for me, and would make mincemeat of me if he caught me tottering about in the wild." Honestly, Bilbo sounds like he's not- um, like the severity or like seriousness of this is not really um, hitting him. Yeah. But I guess that's partly because he's old, and partly because I think he's still very fond of the ring. Um, as we shall see. Gandalf said, The ring has passed on, Bilbo. It would do no good to you or to others if you tried to meddle with it again. Odd sort of remark, just like Gandalf. But he said he was looking after you, so I let things be. I'm frightfully glad to see you safe and sound. He paused and looked at Frodo doubtfully. Have you got it here? He asked in a whisper. <clears throat> I can't help feeling curious, you know, after all I've heard. I should very much like just to be read it again. ''Yes, I've got it,'' answered Frodo, feeling a strange reluctance. Hmm. Uh, ''It looks just the same as ever it did.'' ''Well, I should like, to, just like to see it for a moment,'' said Bilbo. When he had dressed, Frodo found that while he slept, the ring had been hung about his neck on a new chain, light but strong. Slowly he drew it out. Bilbo put out his hand, but Frodo quickly drew back the ring. To his distress and amazement, he found that he was no longer looking at Bilbo. A shadow seemed to have fallen between them, and through it he found himself eyeing a little wrinkled creature with a hungry face and bony groping hands. He felt a desire to strike him. I wonder if this is something he's seeing that's true. This kind of, um, ugly yearning that the ring brings out in Bilbo, or if it's... Um, an illusion by the ring that doesn't want to go back to Bilbo or what or if 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 um, Bilbo actually changes or if that's something Frodo can see because he faded a little bit so many questions and no answers (laughs) the music and singing around them seemed to falter and a silence fell Bilbo looked quickly at Frodo's face and passed a hand across his eyes I understand now he said Put it away. I am sorry. Sorry you have come in for this burden. Sorry about everything. Don't adventures ever have an end? I suppose not. Someone else always has to carry on the story. Well, it can't be helped. I wonder if it's any good trying to finish my book. But don't let's worry about it now. Let's have some real news. Tell me all about the Shire. And so they did. They talked about the Shire. They hid the ring away. Um, and they talked for several minutes. Suddenly, Bilbo looked up. Ah, here you are at last, Dunedan, he cried. Strider, said Frodo. You seem to have a lot of names. Well, Strider is one that I haven't heard before anyway, said Bilbo. What do you call him that for? They call me that in Bree, said Strider, laughing, and that is how I was introduced to him. And why do you call him Dunadan?" asked Frodo. The Dunadan," said Bilbo. He's often called that here, but I thought you knew enough Elvish to at least know Dunadan, Man of the West, Numenorian. But this is not the time for lessons. He turned to Strider. Where have you been, my friend? Why weren't you at the feast? The Lady Arwen was there. Hehe. <laughs> Proto. I mean Bilbo Bilbo knows that um, Aragorn and Arwen have a a uh, relationship, I guess? Yeah, they're in love with each other. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a tease. Strider looked down at Bilbo gravely. I know, he said, but often I must put mirth aside. Aladdin and Elrow here, Arwen's brothers. I returned out of the wild, unlooked for, and they had tidings that I wished to hear at once. Well, my dear fellow, said Bilbo, now you've heard the news, can't you spare me a moment? I want your help in something urgent. Elrond says this song of mine is to be finished before the end of the evening, and I'm stuck. Let's go off into a corner and polish it up. Strider smiled. Come then, he said, let me hear it. So, Frodo's by himself for a little while, Simon's fallen asleep. He was feeling a little bit alone and forlorn. Um... Let's see, at first the beauty of the melodies and of the interwoven words in elven tongues, even though he understood them little, held him in a spell as soon as he began to attend to them. Almost it seemed that the words took shape, and visions of far lands and bright things that he had never yet imagined opened out before him, and the firelit hall became like a golden mist above seas of foam that sighed upon the margins of the world. Then the enchantment became more became more and more dreamlike, until he felt that an endless river of swelling gold and silver was flowing over him too multitudinous for its pattern to be comprehended. It became part of the throbbing air about him, and it drenched and drowned him. Swiftly he sank under its shining weight into a deep realm of sleep. That is beautiful. And also, um, I think, a reference to the power of song in Tolkien's world. Um, Once again, more. I think I mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. The the lore of Middle-earth is that the world was created through song from the great, like, the the god, the, the creator god, Eru, Iluvatar of uh, Middle-earth. And then his angelic beings, I don't think they're demigods, I really do think they're angelic beings acting on behalf, um, contributed to the song and to the creation of the world. Um, and the elves have a little bit of that power to kind of sing like... A great song, or to tap into that great song of of creation, um, and so it, it like it creates kind of like an enchantment or gives visions, and maybe Frodo sees more than anyone else would see because he has um, passed into the spirit world a little bit, um, so maybe he's what's it called experiencing more than anybody else is, um, unless they're an elf. We don't know. But I, I do think that this is... The swelling gold and silver and song and all of this is, is is related to that. After that, um... He wandered long in a dream of music that turned into running water and then suddenly into a voice. It seemed to be the voice of Bilbo chanting verses. Faint at first and then clearer. Ran the words. And then Bilbo sings a very long song, which is basically all about Elrond's parents and what happened to them. Um... And I'm not going to read it, because I won't do it justice, and also it's very long. And it has lore that um, you may not know, but again, um, you can look it up if you wish to. And it talks a little bit about in the Sil- well, a lot about in the Silmarillion, if you're interested. Anyways, the chanting ceased. Frodo opened his eyes and saw that Bilbo was seated on his stool in a circle of listeners, who were smiling and applauding. Now we better have it again, said an elf. Bilbo got up and bowed. I am flattered, Lindir, he said, but it would be too tiring to repeat it all. Not too tiring for you, the elves answered, laughing. You know you are never tired of reciting your own verses, but really we cannot answer your question at one hearing. What? cried Bilbo. You can't tell which parts were mine and which were the Dance. It is not easy for us to tell the difference between two mortals, said the elf. Nonsense, Lindir, snorted Bilbo. If you can't distinguish between a man and a hobbit, your judgment is poorer than I imagined. (laughs) Actually, I love that Bilbo is always putting people in their place. He's so snarky. They're as different as peas and apples. Maybe. Oh, and then elves are so snarky back. Oh my gosh. Maybe. To sheep, other sheep no doubt appear different, laughed Lindir. What a jerk. (laughs) Or to shepherds. But mortals have not been our study. We have other business. I won't argue with you, said Bilbo. I am sleepy after so much music and singing. I'll leave you to guess if you want to. He got up and came towards Frodo. Well, that's over, he said in a low voice, and went off better than I expected. I don't often get asked for a second hearing. What did you think of it? I am not going to try and guess, said Frodo, smiling. You needn't, said Bilbo. As a matter of fact, it was all mine, except that Aragorn insisted on my putting in a green stone, which we talked about a few, chapter, a few chapters ago, last chapter, uh, the green stone, the barrel stone, and how that relates to Aragorn. He seemed to think it was important. I don't know why. i Otherwise, he obviously thought the whole thing was rather above my head, and he said that if I had the cheek to make verses about Earendil in the house of Elrond, which is uh, Elrond's father, I think, grandfather? Anyways, it was my affair. I suppose he was right. I don't know, said Frodo. It seemed to me to fit somehow, though I can't explain. I was half asleep when you began, and it seemed to follow on from something that I was dreaming about. I didn't understand that it was really you speaking until near the end. It is difficult to keep awake here until you get used to it, said Bilbo. Not that hobbits would ever acquire quite the elvish appetite for music and poetry and tales. They seem to like them as much as food, or more. And again, I think this is because the elves have a very spiritual um, element to themselves, and song is part of creation, and they are very in tune with that. They will be going on for a long time yet. What do you say to slipping off for some more quiet talk? Can we? Asked Frodo. Of course! This is merrymaking, not business. Come and go as you like, as long as you don't make noise. They got up and withdrew quietly into the shadows and made for the doors. Sam they left behind, fast asleep, still with a smile on his face. In spite of his delight in Bilbo's company, Frodo felt a tug of regret as they passed out of the Hall of Fire. Even as they stepped over the threshold, a single clear voice rose in song. And I'm not going to say this either, because it's in Elvish, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. But it's a elbereth gil um, and we talked a little bit about the invocation on the, uh, kind of like the angelic being of the stars, Elbereth, that the elves love especially. Frodo halted for a moment, looking back. Elrond was in his chair, and the fire was on his face like summer light on the trees. Near him sat the Lady Arwen. To his surprise, Frodo saw that Aragorn stood beside her. His dark cloak was thrown back, and he seemed to be clad in elven mail, and a star shone on his breast they spoke together and then suddenly it seemed to Frodo that Arwen turned towards him and the light of her eyes fell on him from afar, from afar and it pierced his heart oh beautiful he stood still enchanted while the sweet syllables of the elvish song fell like clear jewels of blended word and melody it is a song to Elbreth," said bilbo they will sing that and other songs of the blessed realm many times tonight come on he led Frodo back to his own little room. It opened on to the gardens and looked south across the ravine of the Bruennen. There they sat for some while, looking through the window at the bright stars above the steep climbing woods and talking softly. They spoke no more of the small news of the shire far away, nor of the dark shadows and perils that encompassed them, but of the fair things they had seen in the world together, of the elves, of the stars, of trees, and the gentle fall of the bright year in the woods. At last there came a knocking on the door begging your pardon, said Sam, putting in his head, but I was just wondering if you would be wanting anything. In begging your Sam Gamgee, replied Bilbo. I guess you mean that it is time your master went to bed. Well, sir, there is a council early tomorrow, I hear, and he only got up today for the first time. Quite right, Sam, laughed Bilbo. You can trot off and tell Gandalf that he has gone to bed. Good night, Frodo. Bless me, but it has been good to see you again. There are no folk like hobbits, after all, for a real good talk. I am getting very old, and I begun to wonder if I should live to see your chapters of our story. Good night. I'll take a walk, I think, and look at the stars of Elbreth in the garden. Sleep well. And that is the end of our chapter. Next chapter is the Council of Elrond, which is fascinating and full of fun information. And kind of like the beginning of the next journey of the Fellowship of the Ring. Ooh, I'm so excited. Oh, okay. Big stretch. Um... Thank you for listening along, I hope you enjoyed that. I sincerely hope that it's not such a long break before my next episode, Um, though the holy month of Ramadan, the fasting month, is soon upon us, so yeah. Hopefully I will still record, (laughs) I don't have much hope in myself. Um, As ever, let me know what you thought and if you enjoyed this, and yeah any thoughts that you have on Lord of the Rings, or on this podcast, and let me know how you're doing. I hope you're all doing well and staying safe and healthy. Until next time, this has been Samaya at Beyond What You See.